SEP Fanfic Readings presents Accidental Proposal by C.J. Red. Chapter 23 Bloodstream Hermione worked like a crazy witch the next week to secure a long weekend for her and Draco to get away. Had Mistress McGonagall was easily convinced to the need to check up on Lucius and Narcissa Malfoy, as was the minister. They might not agree with the two going alone to do the checking, but Hermione worked them around to allowing it. It was Theo who kicked up a fuss after two hours of him lecturing her on decorum in a pure-blood betrothal. She was ready to hex him. To her surprise, it was Bop who finally put Theo in his place. Apparently, the elf had decided that due to the magic of the betrothal, Hermione and Draco were basically married, so they did not need a chaperone, and Theo would simply have to let them go. Watching her brother turn shades of purple but not arguing back with Bop had to be the highlight of the night. She had fled to the dorms to tell the girls, Ginny included, who basically bunked in with them now, and it took her a good hour to stop laughing over the look of outrage on her brother's face. She loved Theo, she really did, but he could be so high-handed sometimes. The girls were all celebrating her victory over her brother when Hermione noticed that Pansy had gone very thoughtful after they had all calmed down with the laughter at Theo's expense. Finally, Pansy spoke, her tone a bit worried. "'The elf said you two were magically bonded.' Hermione frowned and then shrugged, trying to remember Bob's exact wording. Really, she had been so focused on her brother's clear outrage at having his objections overruled, she couldn't recall all that Bob had said. Something like that, yes. She said we had no need for chaperones, as the magic was complete. Now Daphne and Tracy looked up with frowns, and Ginny even hissed. Oh, shite, Ginny said, sinking down on her bed and looking over at Pansy. Does that mean what I think it means? Pansy had wide eyes as she stared at Hermione, then uttered a word Hermione had never thought to hear from the Slytherin. Strip! Hermione looked at her as if she had gone mad. What on earth are you going on about? Are you taking the mickey out of me? Ginny walked over and grabbed Hermione's robes. We have to check you for a rune, she said in a hushed voice. Hermione sighed but took off her robe, and then crossed her arms. I am not getting naked in front of you all. Ginny snorted and looked over at Pansy. Where would the rune normally be found? Pansy tapped her finger to her chin before she shrugged. It varies, honestly. But it is usually not someplace visible unless you are stalkers. It's kind of a romantic thing if you think about it. In theory, the only person who sees the rune is your stallmate. Hermione shrugged out of her shirt as Ginny tugged on it, now too distracted over what Pansy was saying to care that they were stripping her. What do you mean, soulmate? Tracy had joined Ginny and was now looking over Hermione's back, and even pulling up her hair to look at the back of her neck. It is part of the spell, and another reason why we circumvent it. The magic works in a way that if you have a soulmate, the magic will bind you to them, even if it isn't the person who the spell was originally cast with. Ginny gasped. Blimey, I didn't realize that. Tracy smiled, her eyes glossing over. It's a bit of a fairy tale, though. The idea that you have a soulmate... I have never heard of the magic actually working in that way before, and certainly not with the original casting couple. She looked over at Daphne. Have you, Daph? Daphne shook her head, her face a bit flushed with excitement. No, I'm not sure what's happened in generations. This is incredible. Hermione frowned, trying to process everything that they were saying, and sort the fairy tale from the reality. So you are saying that you all think Draco and I are soulmates, and that means the magic from the spell has already married us. When everyone nodded, Hermione scoffed in disbelief. That isn't possible. You have to say vows or something. 
I don't like the idea of having no control over an event as major as marriage. I didn't even give my consent to marry Draco yet. Ginny groaned at this and then said in frustration, Hermione, if you two are soulmates, your magic is compatible, and that would mean that your consent is all over the bonding. He couldn't be your soulmate unless you wanted him to be. Even if you don't say it out loud, magic is your very soul. It is everything you are. If it picked Draco Malfoy and his magic picked you... Ginny sighed dreamily. That is beyond a vow. It's otherworldly. It's deeper than mates, with werewolves even. Daphne nodded, but gave Hermione an understanding look. It's very rare, Hermione. If you two are that compatible, then your magic just sort of combines. Pansy looked Hermione over critically and then said softly, Her left breast. Hermione looked down and gasped at the silver rune just above her nipple, and barely seen through her lace bra. It was the rune for infinity, and she covered it with her hand and looked up at Pansy, starting to shake with shock. "'I can't be married. I haven't finished school, and I want to get my master's. This can't be happening!' Pansy waved her wand, and Hermione was clothed again, and pushed to her bed where Pansy summoned and then shoved a calming draft down her throat, after a moment as Hermione continued to hyperventilate. Jenny was sitting on the floor, taking deep breaths, while Daphne was leaning against the wall, and Tracy just looked like she might fall over. "'You are not technically married, Hermione,' Pansy said in a deep, calming voice. "'It's an ancient magic. No one will know but you two if you don't wish to say anything, and you will still have to officially marry at some point to fulfill the contract.' Hermione looked at her, and then closed her eyes. "'Will he have a room, too?' she asked softly. "'He will,' Pansy said simply. "'And he hasn't found it yet, or he would have gone about as nutty as you just did.' Ginny let out a small, nervous laugh, and then said— Hermione, you were going to marry him anyways, weren't you? Hermione opened her eyes and then nodded slowly. Yes, I love the Pratt. Everyone nodded but sobered quickly, again as it was Pansy who kept the room calm. Hermione, you have a really special bond with Drake, which will only grow. It's a kind of a once-in-a-million chance for the magic to work in both of you this way. You collided in a rather unorthodox way. Ginny burst into laughter. They were both pissed, and he completed the spell by mistake. Pansy's lips tilted into a smile, and then she shrugged. But clearly this was meant to be. Tracy broke in with another laugh. I would say it was. This just blew my mind. Soulmates, can you believe it? Daphne let out a long sigh. I never would have guessed something like this would happen. But it explains why Bop has been so obsessed with the Union, and so lax in chaperoning the two of you. Pansy and Tracy nodded as Ginny frowned. "'What do you mean?' she asked curiously, having never grown up with a house-elf. Pansy snorted. "'Elves are very good chaperones, and Bop is Hermione and Theos. We all wondered why on earth Hermione was getting away with spending so much time in Draco's bed. Now we know why.' Hermione sat up, feeling less woozy and calmer, thanks to the calming draft, no doubt. "'What could Bop have done to stop us?' All three Slytherin girls smirked. "'Anything and everything she wished or wanted to do short of harming you,' Tracy said with a small grimace. "'They get inventive.' Hermione shook her head at this, and then, as she remembered the things Dobby had done to Harry, she covered her face with her hands in horror. "'Oh, Merlin, Bob knows I'm sleeping with him, doesn't she?' Pansy tilted her head, her eyes teasing. "'Define sleeping!' "'Shagging like rabbits,' Jenny said calmly, causing Hermione to toss a pillow at her friend, while the other girls laughed. "'We really aren't. 
Theo's in the room, Pansy snorted. But you have shagged him. Hermione flushed and nodded, as Daphne gasped and then said in amazement, Hermione Granger shagged Draco Malfoy. Why, you little slag! Hermione rolled her eyes as everyone spent the next ten minutes laughing, before she snapped her fingers to get their attention. Hello? Can we stop laughing at me, please? What do I tell Draco? This sobered everyone up instantly as they all looked to Pansy, who clearly knew Draco best. She frowned and then said simply, Nothing. You let him figure it out. He will go postal if you just drop it on him, and that is not what he needs right after seeing his parents. The timing is terrible. I say let him figure it out on his own, and then let him work it out on his head how he wants to break the news to you. That way he will have time to come to terms with this and calm down. Hermione considered this, and then looked down at her now-covered rune. Won't he just see this and know? Pansy smirked. Distract him for a bit. It's not like you two will have a lot of time to be naked until after school ends. Ginny interrupted with a sneaky grin. I bet they will this weekend. Hermione groaned and fell back on her bed. That was the plan. I bet I can't glom her away, can I? She said grumpily. Daphne chuckled but shook her head. No, you can't. But are you a woman or not? Keep the lighting low and maybe have him give you a hickey over it. She shrugged. Simple enough, I would imagine. No magic necessary. Pansy nodded as Tracy flushed and Ginny rolled around on the bed laughing again. Hermione with a hickey is something I simply have to see, Ginny said, wiping tears from her eyes. Hermione reached for her wand and Ginny raised her hands in surrender and tried to stop laughing. Draco avoided Theo all of Thursday and was grateful that Blaze seemed to understand the need for intervention, because when he went to get his packed trunk that night, the both of them were gone. Hermione and he were flewing to the minister's office to use his international flu to get to his parents' French villa, where they would stay that night and then leave midday on Friday to spend the weekend at the Malfoy home in Paris. Sunday evening they would catch a portkey back to Shacklebolt's home to report to him what they had found, and then flew back to the school. Draco had to admit he had been deeply impressed by Hermione's organization skills. Not that he should have been, given her exceptional organization of their study schedules as NEWTs approached. Furthermore, he had been stunned to learn that the minister himself had shown up at her request to go over the logistics of their visit to France. He wouldn't be surprised if they even had a protection detail while they were in France. It wasn't lost on Draco that Hermione was a bit of a celebrity, and he was not popular with the wizarding world. They were still getting howlers over their relationship, and Draco had already started wondering about the protection for Hermione once they left Hogwarts. He was thankful to find her waiting for him with her welcoming smile and her trunk floating behind her. Pansy packed for me and spent an hour dressing me, and another hour fighting with my hair. Paris better be worth all this torture, Draco Malfoy. Draco grinned at her and traced her lips with his finger, feeling a bit intoxicated by her beauty. You look like a goddess. Hermione nipped at his finger and sighed. You don't look so bad yourself. He leaned down and kissed her sweetly before he sighed and took her hand. Well, shall we go face the gallows? Hermione giggled, following him out. I never knew you were so dramatic. Draco made a face and waved their trunks in front of them. My parents are not easy people to spend time around, Hermione. This could be a huge mistake. Hermione squeezed his hand and cut him off with a soft hiss. I am not an easy person to cross. I promise your father has met his match with me. Have some faith. Draco grimaced, but then sighed, pulling her closer into him. You are the only person I think who could possibly stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with that man. 
Hermione laughed and leaned up to kiss him on his cheek. You could too, trust me. You are just still hurt by him. When that goes away, he better watch out. She winked at him. I promise to provide an alibi and help you hide the body. Drago threw back his head laughing and then shook his head at her audacity. Stop talking about murdering my father. Hermione let out an annoyed sigh. Fine. Why do I need to be so dressed up anyways? Draco looked down at her dress robes and sighed. Dinner is an orchestrated event with my mother. Hermione made a disgruntled face. I hope you don't want me to do that after we are married and in our own home. Draco smirked. What? You don't plan on six-course meals every night dressed to the nines? Hermione socked him and then laughed. I promise to never force you to wear dress robes to dinner. Is that a pure-blood thing or a Malfoy, by the way? Draco shrugged. A bit of both, I suppose. I wouldn't mind dressing up for special occasions, but it grows tedious to do so every night. Hermione snorted as they rounded the corner to the head office, and then took a big breath. Be kind, and have courage, she said softly, looking up at Draco, who nodded. Gryffindor motto. Hermione shook her head. No, my mother used to say that to me before I got on the train every year. Draco leaned down and kissed her. Well, you are courageous and defiantly kind, so it must have stuck. Hermione grinned up at him, her eyes a bit sad. Courageous I will give you, but I am not as kind as I am sure she was hoping I would be. Draco chucked her under the chin and then hugged her to him. I like your brand of kindness, he whispered huskily before he started to nibble at her lips and kiss her senseless. Just when it was starting to get good, they heard giggling in the hall and broke apart. When they finally headed up the stairs, after allowing Draco's obvious erection to calm, it was to find McGonagall waiting for them with a slight frown. "'Kingsley has assured me that you will be safe, but I must say that I am not exactly thrilled with this arrangement.' There was a derisive snort from a portrait on the wall. "'She threatened to feed Lucius Malfoy to a dragon. I think the witch has things well in hand.' McGonagall's lips twitched, and then she waved at them. "'Well,' Off with you, then, and try not to end up in Azkaban, Miss Granger. Hermione rolled her eyes. As if I would be stupid enough to get caught. Laughter and snorting followed this from all around the walls, and Dumbledore's portrait twinkled down at her nodding his head but remaining silent. Draco let Hermione go first, and then followed with trunks. Kingsley was waiting for them with a frown as well. I still want to send out an aura, Hermione. She waved at him lazily. They are my future in-laws, kings. I have to build a bridge here somehow. For Merlin's sake, they are wantless, and there's a many witch present who I am sure is spying on them for you. Kingsley didn't give anything away, but finally nodded and gestured back to his fireplace. Fine. Have a nice visit. Draco snorted at this before he sent the trunks ahead first, and then took Hermione's hand, wanting to arrive with her. He looked down and saw that she had her wand out at the ready, and she raised an eyebrow at him. It is your father. Draco smirked and showed her that his wand was also at the ready, while the minister sighed heavily. No unforgivables, if you please. I don't want the paperwork, Kingsley said in a firm tone. Hermione smiled at the minister before saying very sweetly, The rules are different in France. Kingsley's eyes went wide before he sank down in his desk chair and shook his head. Dear Merlin, help us. Draco, I wish you luck. Draco chuckled and tossed the flu powder in, allowing them to swirl away to a dinner that was probably going to be highly memorable. 
They arrived to an empty foyer in a lovely cream and rose. Hermione looked around curiously for their trunks, but Draco shook his head at her. The elves would have taken them. My father usually has drinks before dinner in his study. Are you up for that? Hermione sighed and rose on her tiptoes to kiss him soundly. Yes, for you I am up for drinks with your father in his study. If he is too awful, I can slip some poison in his fire whiskey. Draco let out a small breath he must have been holding, and then a small chuckle, but she could see the anxiety in his eyes. Thank you, Hermione. You make this not only bearable, but enjoyable. But then he paused, looking at her a bit concerned. You don't really have poison on you, do you? Hermione grinned at him devilishly. I'll never tell. Come on, let's go. We are rather later than we said we would be. We can't keep the great Lucius Malfoy waiting on dinner. Perhaps the thought. Again, a small smirk played at the corner of Draco's mouth. It's my mother who will be appalled at dinner being delayed, not Lucius. Hermione sighed. I shall apologize to her profusely and blame the minister. He is a great scapegoat. We can say we had to wait to use his flu. Draco's smile finally reached his eyes, and he relaxed considerably. You, my dear, make an excellent Slytherin. Hermione winked and took his hand, allowing him to lead her into at least four hours of sheer hell. And she kept her wand up her sleeve. Just let Lucius try something tonight. She would take great pleasure in hexing the man. In fact, she had a running dialogue in her head of all the hexes she could use. If Kingsley had been a legilimens, he would have never let her leave his office tonight. Hermione was out for blood and she secretly hoped that Lucius Malfoy had learned the skill of reading minds at some point in his service to Lord Voldemort, because she wasn't going to block all her fantasies about how she could torture him during dinner.